Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am O'Brien McMahon, and this is People Business. Every business is in some way a people business. From Silicon Valley to the restaurant down the street, every business relies on groups of people working together toward a common cause. That's no easy task. While the world around us has evolved into a high-tech, interdependent matrix, our individual software is largely the same as it was 10,000 years ago. We are social, emotional animals balancing a need to fit in with a desire to stand out. This is a show that explores individual and interpersonal dynamics, helping you become your best self while making the most of your business and the people in it. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with future guests. That's it. Enjoy the show. This week, my guest is Diane Allen. Diane was the concertmaster or lead violinist of the Central Oregon Symphony for 15 years. She was a well-sought-after violin teacher for 28 years, and she is the author of 16 music workbooks sold worldwide. She is also an award-winning international speaker for her expertise on positive psychology of peak performance and the flow state. She is known for her experiential keynotes that have helped thousands of people around the world to break through their performance gaps and unleash their potential. Her proprietary process helps to increase the bottom line by empowering people to be at their best anytime, any place, no matter how high the pressure. This was a great conversation talking all about flow. She helps define what flow is, if you aren't familiar with flow states. We talk about how to recognize when you're in a flow state, and she lays out her strategy step-by-step on how to get into flow states yourself, she calls her flow strategy. Uh, She turns the tables on me a little bit and has me talk through building out my own flow strategy, which was really helpful for me. And I hope that it helps you as you think through where and when you get into flow and how you can use what's going on inside and outside, both intrinsically and extrinsically, to get yourself into deeper flow states more often. I hope you enjoy. Here is Diane Allen. And we're live. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This will be a really fun conversation. One, because I love the topic of flow, and two, because we've already chatted a little bit, and I just already know this is going to be a fun conversation. First, though, I want to get a little bit of your background. What is a concert master? Okay. Well, in the world of orchestra playing, there is a hierarchy, and just like in any corporation. And the conductor is obviously the leader, and the concert master is the lead violinist. And the lead violinist is the second in command to the conductor, but the lead violinist is there's two sections of violins. There's the first violins, there's the second violins. <laughs> and so the, the, I know oh, I need to backtrack for a second because actually the lead violinist is the lead of all of the string players, the violins, the violas, the cellos, and the basses. But then I'm the lead violinist of all the violins. And then I'm the lead violinist of the first violins. <laughs> okay. There's layers to this game. There's layers. And then there's the audience. So we can get into that too. Okay. And I guess, so I said this to my wife, who is a ballet dancer and has been in theater. And she was like, oh yeah, like 
no, like obviously that's what it is. But I guess I didn't realize that there was that kind of hierarchy and that it was always the lead violinist that was the concert master. So I found that just to be a really interesting, fun fact. And so how did flow come into the equation for you then? You've got this background in music as well as leadership within the orchestra. Where does flow come into that equation for you? The uncovering of what I was doing is a story of frustration. Uh, Just, you know, if we go back for a second, anybody that attends a concert is going to be listening to the musicians and imagine a bunch of musicians just going through the motions, right? I mean, you'd be like, I'm done. I'm out of here. Give me my my money back. (laughs) Yeah. So it is expected for a musician to get into the music and to get into it to the point where it inspires the audience, right? So there's a high bar held. And it just so turns out that getting into the music is getting into your flow state. And the flow state is the positive psychology of peak performance. Now, I didn't know what it was called. All I knew was it was getting into the music. And I was incredibly passionate and determined to have a career as a violinist. And I went to the Manhattan School of Music, had phenomenal training there. And when I left, when I graduated, I started taking auditions only. I was crumbling under the pressure. I would completely lose my nerves. I would embarrass myself over and over and over again. So (laughs) this was incredibly frustrating, as you can imagine. (laughs) Sure. Well, and it's an interesting realization now, knowing how successful your career has been. Yes. So it was determination. I don't know uh, where that came from. I think I was born with it. Uh, There was a mentor um, who once asked me, how did you stay committed during the difficult times in your life? And I had to just kind of go back to my 25-year-old self when I was bombing all these auditions and, and really kind of get back into my head. And I realized that my belief in myself was bigger than the obstacle. And I realized that's a core principle that I've lived by my entire life. And so I always encourage people to just take a notice and ask yourself the same question. What, how do you stay committed in, in the face of difficulty? Because knowing that about yourself, and we're going to talk about how important it is to define things, because once you define these things in your life, then you can increase the use of them. How much that's going to serve you over the time, because we're, you know, we're all going to be facing things throughout our life, right? (laughs) And so to know these core beliefs about yourself is, is really an important thing. Well, I think there's a skill too, to just not quitting. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a skill sometime as well, you know, just sticking with it, sticking with it, sticking with it until you get that breakthrough. Or until you realize, okay, I need to shift. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. Eventually you do need to shift. I mean, that's that's also a skill is recognizing when to shift. But I, I'm a big believer that sort of everything is in balance. And I think, but I do see a lot of people give up too early 
when they just need to stick with, they just realize that they're just still a beginner in that game and need to get better at the thing. You know, for you, maybe it was getting better at auditions. And eventually, you know, you stick with it, you learn enough, you get enough experience, and then you break through. And if you hadn't, then eventually you'd have to learn to shift. But a lot of times, I mean, my my job, I've learned that lesson too. I, I started at 25 doing what I'm doing and I got to the the finals in a sales process 10 times in a row over the first 18 months and I sold zero of those accounts. I was runner up 10 times in a row and uh, just banged my head against the wall over and over and over again and very similar experience, like just sort of kept going, learned the lessons and then eventually broke through. So that resonates with me. So back to flow. When did you start to pay attention to flow? Like you, I imagine earlier in your career, you're just very passionate about music. So, you know, you play and you're, you're into the music, but when do you become conscious of the fact that that is a skill and that you can sort of purposefully get into the music? So circling back to what you were saying is being determined and sticking with it for the long game to get through that breakthrough I was in that determination phase and I was looking at reading whatever I could. This was pre-internet times and, and finding whatever I could about how do you overcome performance anxiety. And I had uh, made some headway and I remembered this one audition very, very succinctly because I came in, I was calm, collected. I played the opening phrase of music. It just flowed out of the instrument. I played better than I ever had. It was just like a, a, if you can imagine soaring, it was the technical aspects of playing just came together and I played better than I ever had my entire life in that moment. It was exhilarating. And so I am already talking about and and describing this, the key indicators of being in the flow state, which are you have a peak performance moment. It is exhilarating. You Things are coming together with this sense of ease. So these are some of those key indicators. There's more. But in that moment, I opened up. This amazing experience happened. And then, literally... I said, how on earth are you going to keep that up? (laughs) And so my inner critic just cut it off and I went back to being nervous and embarrassed myself again. And when you're embarrassing yourself over and over and over again at these job interviews, it, this is something that will erode your confidence, right? How many people lose their confidence? How many people after doing all of their college training and preparing, and then they go and they do something this, and then they're like, eek, and they're like, they, they say, I'll never do that again. And they cut off their opportunities. And, and then how many people end up feeling bitter and dissatisfied later on in life? Because, you know, there's nothing worse than public embarrassment. So in that moment, I was having a flow state moment. And it was really clear, it was really clear that that was the key to having a peak experience, to having no nerves, they were gone, and to really be showing not only my high skill level under high pressure, but exceeding what I even thought was possible. How were you able to harness that? 
to actually overcome that and and move up through your career and now ultimately be teaching this stuff? So I had uh, a few years later, I was still struggling because that was the people talk about the flow state being uh, elusive. And although I could always get into the music when I was, you know, I played in a lot of freelance orchestras because I wasn't able to get a real job. And, you know, playing in the orchestra setting was not anything that made me nervous. So I could always just show up and get into it. It was like turning on a light switch. It was just something I could get into. I took it for granted. But in the audition scenario, I couldn't get into it. Then the, it would just be too overwhelming. So it was about 10 years after I graduated and I had, uh, I was leafing through this violin magazine. I saw this job, violin teacher wanted Central Oregon. This wasn't even an orchestra playing job, which is what I wanted. We are now like into plan C at this point. And so we, we scheduled the audition. Only I had, I had just given birth to our son. I know you're about to be a, a new dad again. We are. Um, yes. So you know the scene. I had just given birth to our son. I hadn't practiced in weeks. And of course, I was sleep deprived. So uh, my husband and son and I got hop in an airplane when my son was six weeks old. We come out here to Central Oregon from Ohio. And I walked in and this was a large room with, I would, there was a number of people there. There was students, parents, musicians. There were teachers. And I didn't know, but the conductor from the local symphony orchestra was there as well. And I taught all day long in front of this group of people. And I had a lucky moment <laughs> from out of the blue, <laughs> from the get-go. I, I, I'm just wondering, you know, the, the, the flow state exists at the intersection of skill and challenge. And I hadn't practiced. I wasn't prepared. All I think just something shifted in me and I was like, oh, well, I just got into my flow state. And the kiddos were incredibly responsive to my spontaneous creative solutions. You know, and I was playing my best, you know, underneath my fingers. It was like the violin was singing by itself. And so at the end of the day, they offered me the job on the spot. And when we moved here, I got hired to play in the symphony orchestra without taking an audition. So it that was, was your hack. Just skip the audition completely. Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to answer your question, like the, there's a couple more like pieces of the story, but the, the thing is, is that, okay, now we're here, we're in central Oregon and I'm like, okay, uh, that just worked. So <laughs> I would on purpose get into the music every moment I could. While I was teaching, I was totally into it. And while I was at the symphony, I would totally get into it because I, that's how I had just found my confidence. But, but then I noticed that the more I got into it, the more my students got into it. And the more I got into it, the more the orchestra got into it. And the more I got into it, the audience got into it. I mean, this is a small town. I would be at the grocery store and somebody would be like, concert master, hello. You know, like they, <laughs> with, without, you know, exuding that energy that you exude when, when you're getting into something, which is getting into your flow state, 
Yeah, that's that energy that people respond to. If if I didn't have that energy, I might not have been visible in the grocery store, right? Yeah. So this is the the leadership aspect of it. So so as I said, this was a a well practiced thing as a musician to get into the music. I could get into it during concerts, no problem. It was just under the pressure of an audition. And how it became a repeatable process, if we go back to what we talked about earlier, it's important to identify things in your life. Talking about identifying the core principles that keep you committed when you're facing difficult times. So I had, uh, I was kind of late in my career as a violinist and I, the, it was, was a small concert. The conductor wasn't there. So I gave the pre-concert lecture. I had a great time. And as soon as I finished, I turned around, sat down, gave a big cue for the music to start. And I had a full on freeze response. My elbows wouldn't open up. My fingers weren't moving. I was the lead violinist, right? This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> like every, it was like the real life version of every one of those panic dreams that we all have where we're up on stage or we're naked in school or whatever it is. Exactly. Only this was late in my career. I had taken things for granted and it only took me about a minute to like, I knew how to handle this. It was like, okay, just let the, the hormone rush that just got into my bloodstream. I just have to wait for it to subside. I have to keep a neutral mind. That was the first thought. Neutral mind. I will beat myself up later, but not right now. Right now we are neutral. Mm, that's a great tip because I've definitely had that experience where you freeze for a second and don't know where to go and you can get very self-critical very quickly. And I love that. Like I'll get critical later, but let me just be present right now. Right. So interruptions are the biggest killer of the flow state. They're the biggest killer of productivity, of being at the top of your game. And so the inner critic is one of those things that we interrupt ourselves with. So neutral mind, and I just knew that I had to just keep moving my arms and they would unlock. But I couldn't get into the music after that. And that was frightening because that had been my key for so long. So that was the night that I had my moment of self-reflection. <laughs> okay, Diane, what is it that you do to get into the music? And it takes reflection of remembering the time when you were in the flow state. So go ahead and do this while, while I'm talking you through this, O'Brien, and for the listeners. The key indicators of being in the flow state are losing a sense of time, losing a sense of yourself, ideas and insights coming in from out of the blue, things coming together with a sense of ease, a positive feedback loop where the more you get into it, the more you get out of it, the more you get out of it, the more you get into it, and experiencing fulfillment and joy. There's a lot of reasons why people want to be in the flow state. I had already explained some. It's it's to to find that fulfillment. It's to find your confidence, to overcome the nerves. Um, and I can go into the neurobiology as to why um, flow state works for all this later. So, so just keeping in mind, if the flow state is something, uh, if these key indicators are like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was here or there, 
you're going to recreate that memory as we go through these steps. And then if the flow state is new for you, what you're going to use do is observe yourself over a couple of weeks using these key indicators and find a time when you slip into the flow state, when you lose sense of time and you feel one with the activity and things are popping for you. And so when I was sitting on the couch that night, I was like, okay, obviously where I get into the flow state the most is on stage. It's during these concerts. So that's where I am. So I want you to ask yourself, where are you when you get into the flow state the most? And then I was like, okay, well, what am I doing? Well, obviously I'm playing the violin. That's what I'm doing on the outside. But the real question is, is like, what am I doing on the inside? And a lot of my friends would say, well, Diane, we're creating the music. And I get that. But it's for me, it has this, this feeling of sharing. I'm sharing the message of the music and I'm sharing the experience. Then, well, why? Because why is it so meaningful? I would have certain concerts where I, I could not hold back the tears. They were just so meaningful. And I was thinking about, okay, well, I only get really teary-eyed when we do audience sing-alongs. There was something about the orchestra with the choir behind us and the lights are turned on and the audience is singing. You know, you have thousands of people doing, coming together through the music and I would be blubbering on stage. It's like, okay, why is this so meaningful? And it's, it's that unity that music does for us. It brings us together. It unites us. It's a universal language. So, What you do on the inside is your most compelling internal self-motivator. So sharing, for me, is how I shift into my flow state on purpose. As long as I'm sharing, I will get into it. And that could be playing the violin or speaking or sharing a cookie. It doesn't matter. (laughs) The act of sharing feels universal to me. Anytime I'm sharing, I tap into my flow state. Now, unity, being in this situation where where there's a unified whole, that's my most compelling external self-motivator. It's something outside of me that pulls the best out of me. When there's unity in the community around you? Yeah, when I'm part of something. It also happens, let's say it's like the walk for Alzheimer's, right? You have thousands of people walking for Alzheimer's. I'm the one crying the whole time, right? <laughs> so it's it, there's something about that that, um, anyways, the bringing a lot of people together for one cause is what really, really moves me. And when I am in these situations... That's how I shift into the flow state with purpose. So we have on purpose, what you do on the inside is how you shift into your flow state on purpose. Why it's so meaningful is how you shift into your flow state with purpose. So I'm just going to just review the questions one more time, and then we'll we'll talk maybe about yours, O'Brien. So the first question is whether you're so you're going to recreate a memory of time when you're in the flow state or you're going to find a time in the next couple of weeks. You're going to look for a time when you slip into flow using those key indicators, losing sense of time, losing sense of self, ideas and insights coming in from out of the blue, things coming together with sense of ease, the positive feedback loop, 
where the more you get into it, the more you get out of it, the more you get out of it, the more you get into it. And then experiencing this exhilaration, this, this joy and, and fulfillment. And as you're recreating these memories or finding the time, you're going to ask yourself, where am I? Where? Where am I when I get into the flow state the most? Physically. Yes. It, yeah. Where are you? Where is your physical being at that moment? Yes. I'm in the kitchen. I'm in the garage. I'm in the tennis court right? Where are you? I'm in the office, whatever. What am I doing on the outside and the on the inside? So let's say if in the kitchen is where you get into the flow state the most, on the outside you're cooking or baking. But on the inside, you could be doing any number of things. You could be creating, you could be experimenting, you could be nurturing, you could be socializing, right? There's a lot of different things going on in the kitchen there that that would really light people up on the inside. Then why? Why is it so meaningful? And those three questions are going to help you to extract your flow strategy and and identify it. Because if you can identify it, you can repeat it. If you can identify it, you can own it. And that's why it was so helpful for me to have that horrible experience where it forced me to actually just say, okay, how can I make sure that this is something I can always rely on? And so how do you use that sharing? How do you prime yourself with sharing before getting into some kind of a new task, whether it's performing or anything else? For me, this is a very obviously well-oiled machine, uh, something that's very well-practiced. And so, you know, where somebody would start with, you know, basically is, okay, let's get some awareness. What? Oh, flow state? I've had people say, oh, there's a name for that? Like they know what it is, but they didn't know there was a name for that. Yeah. Uh, There's some people who have no idea what what the flow state is. There's some people who are in it all the time and, and... Yeah. So, and we have people anywhere in between. So the first goal here is, is just to increase your awareness of the flow state. Then the second step is basically to decide, like you were saying, to choose to increase the amount of time that you spend in the flow state. And so if, if it's fixing motorcycles in your garage, (laughs) I just gave you permission to get in the garage more, (laughs) but there's other, uh, we can, we can take this further step. So we're, 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 you know, increasing the amount of time that we're spending in flow is the goal. So for me, obviously I have been sharing for years and identifying it was just basically helping me to if I'm having a bad day to know, okay, I just get into that mode of sharing. I know what that feels like on the inside. So, um, so you, you just kind of prime it in your head and say, okay, how can I find the next way to share? Yeah. I just, or, or I just know going into it, or if I get caught off guard, right? Because we all have distractions and, and things happen in the middle of things. It's a practice to, to get back on track. Mm-hmm. Like uh, so many people get derailed and they don't know how to get 
back on track. So having something identified so clearly, oh, I just need to get back to sharing rather than how do I find myself in, I just got distracted. How do I get back on track? It makes me think of yoga classes, you know, where they say at the beginning, you need to set your intention. And then several times it's, you know, come back to your intention, come back to your intention. They say that all the time. And I mean, it seems like this is taking that concept to just everyday life on, you know, what are the things that you find the most fulfilling intrinsically, and then bringing yourself into that state in all the different things that you do. And that should drop you into more of a flow state more often. Is that, is that fair to say? Not only is that fair, you just rocked it. Like you (laughs) totally get it, O'Brien. And what you just said, number one, it's repeating it so that, that you, you know, that it could be a consistent thing, but then how do we plant that seed into all of the different landscapes of our life? Right. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to share a couple stories. There is, uh, boy, it's like which story should I share here? <laughs> um, That's why we do this longer format, so you can share as many as you want. Uh, share as many. Oh, you know, I'm going to share this story because it's going to hit on two things. How do we plant this? how do we get into our flow state and all the different landscapes of our life? And going back to that leadership piece, when I discovered that the more, when I first moved here, the more I got into the music with my students, the more they would get into it. And the more I would at orchestra, the more the orchestra players would, and then the audience, right? So, so it's that influence. Okay. So I was coaching a chief operating officer from a medical center and she uh, was talking about the communication roadblocks that she was hitting. And uh, she's an introvert. And she was really frustrated because she said that people would interrupt the meetings and then point fingers at her for not, uh, for her lack of leadership. So, where she is when she gets into her flow state the most is it, it's hard to say where at work is these days. <laughs> during a pandemic, but at work, wherever that may be these days. And then uh, what she's doing on the outside is having one-on-one conversations with people. And on the inside, this is exactly what she told me. She said, I'm putting aside my thoughts and I'm deeply listening. And so then I asked her, well, why? Why is that so meaningful? And she said, because the deeper... I listen, the deeper I connect. And connection, that's what touches her to the core. So as soon as she knew what her flow strategy was, that's what I call it, a flow strategy, when you come up with your answers to those questions, knowing your flow strategy, she was like, okay, I think I know how to handle my next group meeting. So she opened the meeting by stating the main objective and that she wanted to take the time for each person to share their point of view. And as she tapped into her deep listening superpower, so she set up the meeting so she could get into her flow strategy. And so she, she set it up and then she started deep listening. 
listening to one person at a time. So she designed this situation, right? And as she's listening to each person, she's tapping into her deep listening powers. And so did everybody else. Like there wasn't a single interruption. And as soon as the last person finished speaking, there was this like spontaneous brainstorming session that ended up solving problems with these innovative solutions. So what happened was she was able to take her flow strategy one-on-one, right? And to take it into a group situation. So she was able to repurpose it and put it into the meeting, into the meetings that she has to run. Then by getting into her flow state, it influenced everybody else to get into theirs. And then when they sparked into that, that brainstorming session, that's group flow. And that's what I experienced with the orchestra all the time is group flow. And so, so that is the leadership piece of it. She influenced people and then it instigated the synergy of group flow. You mentioned some of the science behind flow. Is there science out there that shows that all of our brains drop into flow in group flow moments? In both flow and, uh, you know, individual and group. Okay. It's just, that's interesting to me because, again, going back to the concert example, I mean, I think anyone who's been to a concert has been in that state where you just sort of get lost in it. The performers get into it. You're there listening to it. You get lost in it. You feel that community feeling. I guess I'd have never really thought of that as flow because you're not actually doing anything as the listener other than listening. You're just becoming absorbed by it. But essentially, I mean, you're just getting sucked into their flow is kind of the way that you're describing it, which is an, just an interesting thought. So the positive feedback loop that I was mentioning earlier, the more you get into it, the more you get out of it. Positive feedback loops exist in biology. So for example, when an apple ripens, it releases a gas called ethylene. And yet when an apple is exposed to ethylene, it ripens. Hmm. So all of this, so, so one apple ripens, it releases ethylene. That means all of the apples around it are now going to be exposed to that gas. And so they will ripen and then they will release ethylene. And because of this, entire trees are known to ripen at the same time. And that's not a chain reaction. That's exponential. And so it's when people shift into their flow state on purpose and with purpose, the same thing happens to us. Like apples, like ethylene to apples, getting into our flow state exudes, that energy exudes 15 feet all around us. So this comes from the Heart Math, that's M-A-T-H, Heart Math Institute, where they figured out that the electromagnetic field of the heart is 15 feet all around us. And so when we tap into our flow state, we are tapping into purpose-based peak performance. We are in our heart space. All 40,000 neurons of the heart become engaged 
And that energy exudes 15 feet all around us. But then in the orchestra, all of the people sitting around me, 15 feet around me, will will sync up with that energy. It will influence them to get into their flow state like the apples with ethylene. And then that spills out into the audience. Interesting. That's interesting from a from a physiological standpoint, but I I think about it too, like watching somebody, you can watch somebody on TV who's in their flow state. Like you could watch a video of Michael Jordan in his heyday playing in a game and like you can just see him in flow and there's something about his level of focus and intensity that just bring, that just focuses you and creates an intensity in you. And it's something about being able to to recognize that state in another person that is contagious and sucks you into that. It's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, and I have read even even outside of flow that mood in general is contagious. Mm-hmm. That you walk into a room with a certain mood and it will affect the people around you and you will be affected by the people around in that room. And I... I actually, I think about that a lot, especially when you walk into a scenario where it's easy for have everyone to be in a bad mood, where, especially if performance is on the line and you need to get yourselves up that like somebody in that room has to just commit to being the positive yes. experience or like the, the positive emotion, because no, you're not going to get out of it unless somebody will just stubbornly be positive. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what does your work look like? You mentioned the flow strategy. What does your work look like? Is it really as easy as just thinking through those answers and then to those three questions and then just priming yourself over and over and over again about whatever it is, whatever your mantra needs to be? It is. It, it's as simple as developing a practice. It's developing a relationship with your flow state and, and choosing. You know, we've, we've gone into some of the more complicated stories, but, you know, there's some people who are going to say, yeah, I get into my flow state when I take a walk, especially with the dog or something like that, or I'm out on my run or I'm driving or, or shower moments, right? All those moments when, when ideas just come flooding in. And if you don't stop and drop and write them down, they're gone, right? Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes you have to make sure you can capture those ideas in the moment, um, the, that's your, the five minutes before I fall asleep. <laughs> oh, that's that makes sense because that's the theta brain waves. Um, and then you want to stay awake to to capture them or do something so that you can remember them. Yeah. You know, write down some words real quickly. So, for example, you know, on a really simplistic level, what if we go back inter- the intersection? I said earlier, uh, the flow state happens at the intersection of skill and challenge. It, there's a third circle there. It's joy. And, <laughs> and so I know if I have a problem to solve, I'll say, okay, I got to go take a walk. Cause I know that, that on walks, it happens, but what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, I'm going to dedicate this walk to solving this problem. And it's taking those circles, right? It's, uh, it's walking is a skill. The the uh, Mihai Csikszent Mihai is the uh, psychologist who coined the flow state. And in his book, 
Um, he's, he talks about walking. He, you know, people get into their flow, flow state walking. Einstein was, there was a, an unspoken rule to never interrupt him when he was out taking a walk. Like people knew not, do not interrupt Einstein on his walks. <laughs> Anyways, I just want to give people a simple tool, which is if you know, you get into your flow state during a walk, then add some challenge to it. And all you're doing is saying, so this is, this is talking about getting into a, a practice with getting into flow. Okay, I'm going to go take a walk. Maybe I'll get into flow. Maybe I won't. You, you don't know. But what if I assign a challenge to this? I need to solve this one problem. And then your job is to make a, an intention. I'd like to solve this problem during this walk. Then you go take that walk and you forget about that problem. You let your mind wander and let it come to you. Let it come in. Don't, don't try to find it. And then, like we were saying with the shower moment, be prepared to document it. If you have your phone or something with you, bring, you know, so that you can make sure you, you, you capture it right away. Are you familiar with Josh Waitskin? No. So he was, are you familiar with the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer? About the young chess prodigy? Yes. So he was the real life character that that movie was based on. And he went on, so he was a chess master, chess prodigy at a young age. Then he went on to be a martial arts world champion in uh, one or two different disciplines. And now he's uh, mastering uh, surfing and foiling. And he is sort of a master of learning and how we learn. In his book, he talks about something similar, which is at the end of the day, writing down or saying to yourself one one what's the most important thing i need to solve and then allowing yourself to forget it go to bed and then wake up in the morning and then journal on that problem and it, very similar to what you're talking about like set the intention then let it go and then sometime later just see what comes to you yeah strange that that works so well <laughs> not thinking about the problem so tell me, O'Brien, what is your flow strategy? My flow strategy. Okay. Yes. You're going to turn the tides on me here. I am. So I, I was thinking about this after watching your TED Talk and having a conversation with you. And I tend to get into flow when I am striving to become the best version of myself or helping other people become the best versions of themselves. Because there's just this, there's, again, there's a little bit of effort and challenge going on. There's some skill to understanding what's going on in the world and the principles that can apply and how I can use them. And then there's this like joy to maximizing who I am and the experience that I have while I'm here on this planet or helping other people do the same. And so I think for me, it's trying to elevate myself or trying to help other people elevate themselves. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, where you are is you had mentioned in a variety of places. So, so name some of those places where you find yourself getting into the flow state. So in the gym, I find it, I, I enjoy writing fiction for fun. So I, I get into it there, writing, reading fiction, building presentations at work for sales presentations and, and how we're going to tell that story. 
those are some of the some of the places. And uh, what a variety! That's amazing to hear the variety of places and how it sounds like this is something that you've done for a long time without knowing it or identifying it. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think in my life, I have tried to be as intentional as I can be about the things that I, about pursuing the things that I want to do. And then I've been interested in sort of analyzing why I enjoy the things that I enjoy. And you mentioned Simon Sinek, Start With Why earlier. And one of the interesting things that I took away from that book is that one of the best ways to figure out what your go forward why is going to be is to look back and see all the things that you did. I mean, it's essentially what you're talking about with your exercise, right? Look back at all the times you're in flow and what are the themes in there? And you may not have been doing anything intentionally, but subconsciously you put yourself in places where you've enjoyed yourself or had fun or liked something about that experience. And so what are those themes? And then if you can define those themes, you can then turn the lens back around and start looking forward and say, okay, now, now how do I use this stuff purposefully? And I think I've, I've tried to do that as much as I can, which then creates a lot of different places where I enjoy being. So you mentioned some of the different places where you get into the flow state the most and what you're doing on the outside could be a number of things, but what you're doing on the inside is, is really all about helping yourself and others to achieve their full potential. Yeah. And why is that so meaningful? That is meaningful. So I, I have two strongly held beliefs, which one is that we only get one chance at this life. And so we better make the most of it while we're here. And the other one is that if we want to make the most of our lives, it's up to us. And that we have the power to control our thoughts and actions in a way that allows us to live the lives that we want. And obviously there's outside influences and things that happen to us, but we in a, a large way have the ability to shape that experience. And so I just driven to get the most out of my experience while I'm here. And I love tapping into other people who want to maximize their experience while they're here too. There was a word that you used that started with S. Serenity. Serenity. So a lot of people talk about peak performance and achieving their best. And yet for you, the word serenity came up. And, and can you share a little bit more about that? Sure, sure. So we were talking about doing all these hard things and you were talking about, you know, well, what does that do for you? And I said, it, it creates a sense of serenity. And it may not seem serene on the surface, right? Like getting into flow involves a lot of challenge. But I think for me, when I am intentional about what I'm doing and I get into any kind of flow state, there is this sort of serenity that you feel. There's this calmness. Even if even if I'm in the gym and I'm gasping for breath and I'm, you know, my muscles are breaking down and I I feel sore, there is this sort of sense of accomplishment and purpose and drive that actually 
sort of supersedes all of it. And I think that's, that's why you keep doing hard things. And I think doing hard things over and over and over again actually creates a, a bit of a calming effect. And so for you, it's serenity. For somebody else, it could be exhilaration. It's the, the thing that I want to point out here is that people's flow strategies are unique. There's no, I mean, yeah, people will have similar ones, but I think everybody is different. And I, and I just love your example because it, it is so unique. And I'm just curious with your own self. Now that you're thinking about it more, just because we're talking about it, can you see now places that you're going to expand into some of the things that we've been talking about, maybe uh, getting into the flow state in different areas or bringing it to different places or getting yourself out of your comfort zone in other areas by using your flow strategy? Well, one, just the conversation with you here and, and before we started recording is helpful to synthesize it down even further. You know, it's one thing to, and I've said this on here before, it's one thing to conceptually have something in your head. It's another to be forced to say it out loud. And it's even another thing to have another person look at it and challenge you on it. So I think there's just, there's like filters that thoughts go through. And the more filters you can put your thoughts through, the more concrete and tangible and usable those thoughts then become in your real life. That's where philosophy sort of meets action in the real world. But I could definitely see using it more as a a mantra than maybe I have in the past. Say like, this is, I'm going to try to do this in every interaction. Awesome. Well, I just did flip the script there and took over. I do Before we wind things up, I do have two things that I really would like to share very quickly. Absolutely. um, That is, uh, we are all wired for this. If you think this is a thought pattern, literally, if you think about certain parts of your brain turning on and certain parts turning off, I mean, it is part of our evolutionary biology to get into the flow state. And so what happens is that the, uh, there are hormones that are released that create brain waves to get into the flow state. And, you know, typically we have one or two hormones that get released, but in the flow state, we have five. So endorphins, which bring out euphoria and determination, dopamine, which is all about motivation and performance, serotonin, we know is happiness. I'm going to probably mispronounce these last two. Um, Norepinephrine. Norepinephrine. Norepinephrine, thank you is all about peak performance and rising to the occasion. So this to me, uh, you know, every concert or every speaking engagement I do is a rise to the occasion. So it's it serves me really well. And then the last one is, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this one too, Anadamide, uh, something like that, A-N-A-N-D-A-M-I-D-E. It's bliss. So it's fascinating. So these hormones are all released then. The neocortex amps up dramatically increasing our learning speed. And the reason why we lose all sense of time and sense of self is because our prefrontal cortex actually turns off temporarily. That's what happens when we take showers. That's what happens when we're out on walks. This, this, the prefrontal cortex doesn't just turn off in your flow state. It turns off in other areas in other times too that aren't flow state, but we experience it as a similar 
experienced a flow state. And what is the what is the prefrontal cortex doing most of the other time? That's that's where our self our our inner critic lives. That's where the critic lives. Yeah, so that's why when the the prefrontal cortex temporarily shuts off, then we are able to, we feel more free to be uninhibited, and the self critic is gone. And so a lot of people who have fear of public speaking, and they say, um, "Oh, I just." I'm just, I'm not going to prepare. I just want to speak from the heart. Really, that's a misconception. What they really want is to speak from their flow state. That's what they're looking for is a flow Mm. state experience. And so it's, that's just a side note that, um, that it is important to prepare for speaking and know how you get into your flow state. So then you can combine the two. That's a great point right there because that's why winging it doesn't work and so often leads to bad experiences. And it's a misconception because a lot of times flow state, a flow moment feels like you're winging it. Yeah. And so that's why people think, oh, I just want to go and speak from my heart and they think it's just going to happen. But you have to, and it, it may, but you have to, um, if you have some of these tools and some of this know-how, then you can set yourself up to have a flow state moment and speak from your heart. Diane, this has been a fascinating conversation. I appreciate you coming on the show and and sharing your story and your expertise, turning the tides on me a little bit and uh, and pushing me to get more clear on this stuff. This has been wonderful. And I think there's a lot of really tangible stuff in here for people to get into flow more often. So thank you for, for sharing. Oh, gosh. You know, sharing is my thing, right? Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, hopefully, hopefully you felt in flow for at least part of this conversation because I think you did a lot of great sharing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, folks, one last thing before you go. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with future guests. That's it. Thanks for coming. Go make the most of your business and the people in it.